In order to keep bringing you guys tons of free content, we work with brand partners who you'll hear from in this episode, including an advertisement from Zopabank. Welcome back to the Talk 20s podcast. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, what's your dream? Well, today I'm delighted to be joined by angel investor, entrepreneur, and founder and CEO of Help Bank, Simon Squibb. Simon has an incredible story. He started his first company when he was homeless at 15 and sold his last company, to PwC, making him one of the very few millionaires we've ever had on the Talk 20s podcast. You may have seen videos of him taking to the streets, asking people, what's your dream and supporting them to make it a reality. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation. But before we dive into today's episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode of us in the Talk 20 studio. On with the show. Well, hello, Simon. Welcome to the Talk 20s podcast. It's great to be here. We've wanted to have you on the podcast for a long time because we met about a year ago now at uh, the Pitch UK final at Google HQ. Um, I don't know if you remember, remember much of that day. Of course I do. do. I was hosting it, so I, I, I kind of remember every part of it. Yeah, yeah and obviously on that day, we were very uh, fortunate and loved the fact that we came, we won the People's Choice Award. So the room voted for us as the, as the favourite business that they loved and wanted to see succeed, which was really um, an amazing opportunity for us and so that was that was really great and that really has sparked off a great big year of growth for us um so it's really nice I guess to kind of sit down a year later and be like this is where we're at the business but also to talk about some of the amazing things that you're doing at the minute I think it'd be really nice for our listeners if they can hear a little bit of your story perhaps from the beginning if they've never heard heard of you before they haven't seen you on YouTube what do they need to know about Simon Squibb well, I think the first thing would be that I've actually been there and done it. Mm-hmm. And I um, I was homeless at 15 years old and started a company. And I failed many, many times in my journey, but I'm, I, I feel like I, I have a, a true story that maybe some people can relate to. Starting a business with no money is absolutely possible. And I've proven it. And I, I think at the same time, I, I'd like to think that at this stage in my life, I can give people, especially younger people, a little bit more belief in themselves. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it seems to me when I speak to a lot of people on the streets, as I do, that a lot of the time people have a dream and they don't make it happen. And often it's because they don't know what they don't know. And they don't know what they don't know. They don't even know what questions to ask. And I think it's solvable. I think entrepreneurship can be taught and everyone can be an entrepreneur. And so I think I've got the experience having come from homeless at 15 with no knowledge in business at all, school having let me down uh, to where I am today. And I think I can now uh, really help young people. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm hopefully going to do today in this podcast. Absolutely. I think it's super interesting because you are very clear on what you say that you think everyone can and should be an entrepreneur. I think that's quite a rogue thing to say. Yeah, I get a lot of hate for it, weirdly. Yeah. And I, 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 a lot of people say, no, not everyone can be an entrepreneur. There's a lot of people that limit a lot of people, mm-hmm. which is weird to me. But I, I, I think that people understood what I'm actually saying instead of trying to interpret it in their own way to be a negative thing. I'm saying that we are amazing things. Human beings are amazing things. You know, I was like, imagine if Elon Musk tomorrow announced that he's created a human being. I mean, he's not far off it, by the way. He's created these incredible robots. But let's just say he announced tomorrow that he's created a human being. He spent three trillion on it. People think it was cheap. His stock price would go through the roof. Suddenly we'll be saying how Tesla's going to have these humans he's created driving the Teslas. He's going to have humans he's created helping us live our daily lives. It would just be insane, right? Oh my God. And this thing can think for itself. This thing can feed itself. Oh my God, incredible. And then one week later, we've got that three trillion pound, dollar, whatever you want to call it, invention, holding up a sign that says McDonald's this way. You know, like humans are incredible. We're incredible. We've been commoditized a bit and we've been dumbed down. 
and in my personal opinion, by the education system. And I just think that we are capable of anything. So we should start there. No one's born anything. No one's born a lawyer, born a doctor. No one's born anything. Mm -hmm. So what makes you think you can't do anything? And, And my point is not so much that everyone should be an entrepreneur, but I want people to have informed consent. I want people to have the ability to be an entrepreneur if they want. There's many different do- types of doctors. There's many different types of lawyers. There's many different types of entrepreneurs. And that's something that isn't really explained. It doesn't matter what your personality profile is. You can be an entrepreneur. It's just a question of what type of entrepreneur are you and what knowledge gap items do you have to get you to where you want to be? And school does not give you this knowledge and it should Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with you. I think with the Talk 20s podcast, we try and talk about all the things that they don't teach you in school. So very often we find ourselves talking about how to start a business because it's just not something that is taught in our education system. It's not something that I knew, even though that I obviously have everything that it needs to, to I, well, I feel imposter syndrome even saying it, but like I have everything it takes to be an entrepreneur because I'm being one right in this moment in time, but still I'm sat here going, well, I've not got the knowledge or the skills to be an entrepreneur and still kind of have those those nerves going into it and where I was at when I first started the business three years ago was even worse. So I I imagine I I try and put myself in the shoes of one of our listeners who is maybe thinking about starting a business right now and maybe has a dream, you know, it might be someone that, you know, they would approach you on the street and they say, "I, I have a dream, Simon, and I would really like to do this. What would you say to them? Don't limit yourself. People have self-sabotage and sometimes it's subconscious self-sabotage. So someone at school told them they were stupid at something mm-hmm. and that makes them think they're stupid. Like when I was young, I could, I, I, well, I have dyslexia. So when I was young, people told me I was stupid. It turns out I'm far from stupid. But I thought I was for the longest time because I couldn't read. And in school, that's, that's pretty much one of the number one criteria. Read off this blackboard, read this book and learn this. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're stupid. So I think it's understanding what you're good at and perhaps just dumping what you're not good at. In school, they try to make you do all the things you're not good at as if that's somehow going to make you a better person. I don't think so. We're good at something, get good at it. Stay focused on the thing you're good at. You don't need to learn the things you're not good at. And I think that's the thing I'm trying to teach people today, that first of all, believe in yourself, to believe whatever dream you've got is possible. And the thing that's really interesting is that today, for example, I walked around Liverpool and asked people their dreams. Some people haven't even got time to think about having a dream. Mm. They haven't even ever been asked that question because in school they ask you, what are you going to do when you grow up? That's the only question young people know. And that's the wrong question. The right question is, what problem are you going to solve when you grow up? Because you can have three or four different careers to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting way of like reflecting on how you're going to move forward in life. Because I think if I look even just self-reflection on what problem am I going to solve, that is the ultimate root and cause of of why I started a business. And it's the ultimate root and cause of why my team work on the business as well. So I think it's it's super, super interesting. Um, You use social media to spread this message. Why do you think social media is so important in today's day and age for one, launching a business, but also spreading messages such as yours? Well, you can cut out the middleman using social media. So when I was younger, um, which wasn't that long ago for your listeners. Um, <laughs> Simon's in his 20s. Now. Yeah, I'm in my, my late, late, late 20s. Um, but no, I, I remember when I was younger thinking, well, you know, being on TV would be cool. And that's how you get famous. You go on mm. TV. And that's not the case anymore. You, and, and you can be as big as a big retail shop or big uh, online business from your bedroom with social media. And I love that. I love the fact that it has actually leveled the playing field. But the problem is people aren't given the knowledge to know how to leverage that opportunity. People don't know how easy it is to make money on TikTok. I was just interviewing someone who's done four years marketing degree. And I was my first question was, what are the five ways to make money on TikTok? They have no idea. 
Yeah. They've just spent £50,000 <laughs> learning a marketing degree for four years. And the number one thing that most businesses are using or and people to get their word, the word out about what they do, they don't know what what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's ridiculous to me. This degree thing is a ridiculous... University's a scam. Honestly, it's a scam. And I, and I think that we have to recognise that it's a scam and accept that actually not everyone has to go to university. It feels like the only default people have. And if you don't go to university, somehow you're going to be missing out on something or some job opportunity you can't get because you haven't got a degree. It's all rubbish. Mm-hmm. What if someone tells you that you should go to university for the experience? So I didn't go to university and I had a pretty good experience. Mm-hmm. So why is the only experience going to university? So I built a business and I made lifelong friends while building those businesses in my early years. And I learned how money works and I learned how to sell and I learned how to build a business. And I had the most amazing experience. Now, I used to still pop up to different places like Leeds and Liverpool and have <laughs> nights out and have fun just because I didn't go to university. I didn't sit down for four years in a room on my yeah. own. And so that's sold in universities. Two things in university that make me think it's a scam that are sold. One is we're told, oh, network, experience. Mm-hmm. Well, frankly, when I started a business, I then built a network around that business. Some university networks are pointless. They never really come into some part of your life. Often those people don't even have the same interests as you. So that, that's, a, that's not a good reason to spend four years doing something and get into debt. Mm-hmm. And the second, in my opinion, lie is that they tell you you're going to get this amazing job and it's kind of almost guaranteed. In fact, a lot of the marketing literature is like 78%, get a job in a blah, blah, yeah. blah type firm at the end of it. That is absolute rubbish. You know, like, why would you want to only have a job as your only option when you leave university? Like, four years into building my first business, I had a couple of failures. But by that point, I'm unemployable in a good way. Like, no one could mm-hmm. afford me. And I and I was earning small money still, but I couldn't think of a job that I'd want that someone would pay me to do. And even when my company got bought by PwC, I didn't want to go work for them. Right. So mm-hmm. they bought my company. That's the only way they could get, get what I had. You know, like I don't want to work for someone else. And that's the option I want people to have when they leave, leave university or leave school mm-hmm. is that they don't have only one option, go to university. And then later they don't have any one option, go, go get a job. Right. Every single step along the way, you can start something of your own and have that experience and that network. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting way of looking at life. I think I, I, I look back on my university experience and I would I wouldn't tell my kids to go to university like that's the way I look back at it now and I don't know I think that's that wasn't something I probably thought even when I first came out of university but it is something that as I get older I'm like yeah I I don't think like you say you can get experiences and what everyone feeds you that you can get it elsewhere you can and and the experience of growing the business and what I've done in the past three years has has catapulted my career so much more than the three years I spent in university. A quick note from our sponsors, Zopa Bank, who are here to help you with your personal finance in the Zopa app. Zopa have a For You section on their app that gives you helpful, personalised insights like reviewing your subscriptions, checking for cheaper broadband and energy bills. The first thing that you need to do is link your accounts using open banking. Once your accounts are connected, the available data will let Zopa understand your finances and give you personalised insights. It will also analyse your credit file and check your Zopa eligibility. Best of all, it's all free and at your fingertips always. So you can make sure you're making the best, most informed choice with your money 24-7. Download the Zopa app now to find out more. Well, I would add as well, because I know what's going to happen in the comments if people are listening to this. Yep. What they're going to say is, no, no, you need university if you want to be, I don't a know, doctor. a doctor, a lawyer yeah. or civil engineer. Yeah. Well, first of all, 
we've created a monopoly for ourselves then, haven't we? If the only way to become a lawyer is to go through the university system, then wow, uh, there's a lot of law firms that are missing some really talented people that couldn't afford to go to university. Second is, I mean, what internship programs and you should be bringing people in and giving them life experience within the actual working job itself, mm -hmm. not put them through a four year education process. So that's a, that's a mistake that the system is making, not giving people yeah. the option to go straight into the actual business, right? I honestly think not enough people are saying what you're saying, that no one's even thought as far as even to even argue it though, because right. it's just so ingrained in culture. Well, and, now, and now companies don't have the infrastructure to handle it. Yeah. Because it kind of used to happen. Yeah. You know, used to go into internship programs and you'd get the training on the job, mm -hmm. right? Now, of course, some would argue, well, you can't be a doctor training on the job. Okay, so there's going to be exceptions to this. But for example, in Liverpool today, I asked a young person this morning, what's your dream? And they said, oh, I'm at university studying to be a civil engineer, right? Yeah. So it's a four-year course, okay? And again, there'll be in huge amounts of debt at the end of it. And I said, I reckon in the four years that you're doing that, by the time you come out, AI is going to be doing 90% of the job that you're training to do, right? So what you could do, the best thing that person could do is learn about AI now. In a year's time, when they've learned a lot, start a YouTube channel about AI. And when they come out of university in four years' time, if they know so much about AI that they're actually going to be, because AI is not going to take, AI is not going to take people's jobs. Those using AI are going to take people's jobs, mm -hmm. right? So, so I'm saying to this young person, are they teaching you AI in your present degree? No, it's not even in any of the, the documentation. So the very thing that's going to take your job, you know nothing about. So learn it on the side. Do you, do you think that's a hack then? Do you think th that's think a hack that's for like example. no matter what degree you're doing? So if you are in university right now and you can't see yourself dropping out of it, to learn AI on the side and how that can be implemented in your current role so that when you graduate, you are you have that above everyone else? In certain jobs, yes. Mm -hmm. I think each job or whatever you go into university to do, because there are a huge amount of people that just go into university because they don't know what else to do. Yeah. They've not been given I a, was that person, a proper career track. Yeah. Right. It's, it's yeah. very common. I mean, I, I haven't seen any stats lately on this, but um, I, I know that a large proportion of people go into university learning a certain thing to get a certain job. But in reality, I also know a huge amount of people that actually get that job and hate it. So a lawyer is a good example. <laughs> well, this is it. Yeah, yeah maybe I don't, I don't yeah. know your background, but that's kind yeah, of interesting. Well, I, I did a, education degree and I went into teaching and hated it. That's right. my story. So, and, yeah. and, and this is a very common story. And yeah. I think, why don't we sit down with young people before they go into university and commit four years of their life yeah. and say, right, why are you going into university? Because there's different reasons. I want to get away from home, which is fair enough, right? They don't want to be living at home yeah. anymore. So it's a great chance to go. I'd rather give them £40,000 to start a business. Mm -hmm. and, and they can have that experience away from home, but start a business. Mm -hmm. And then they can make money, not lose money. And the experience of actually doing is how we really learn. Right. I've got a six-year-old. Yeah. I watch how he learns. He learns not because I tell him to do something. He learns because we do something he enjoys. Right. And kids don't do what you say, they do what you do. Mm -hmm. But that aside, I mean, the main point is definitely the way the education system works is not for 90% of people. There are, I think, 10% of people that like to memorise and use that, that memorisation to get an A. But that is why those people end up working for D and E students. A students often end up working for D&E students. Interesting. So, because if you can memorise, mm -hmm. then frankly, with AI and Google and these things, you are becoming a commodity. That in school is what determines whether or not you're clever. You get an A. That's not the determination of clever in the real world. Mm -hmm. I'd love to chat more in about how you would see the education system without all of that. But I, I kind of want to dive in a little bit deeper for our listeners who are tuning in because they want to start a business. Because I think a lot of people will see this episode and think, I have an idea, I want to take action on it. Tell us a little bit more before we dive into that about the staircase. What happened there? So I... Yeah. <laughs> so I... I um, 
Well, the short story is a staircase came up for sale in Twickenham and I bought it. Um, and I hate property. I think property is actually a real problem in society as mm-hmm. a business. It shouldn't be a business. Anybody that tells me they're in the property business and says they're an entrepreneur in the same sentence, sorry, but they're not. Anyone could buy a house, change a lock on the door and call yourself an entrepreneur. It's not entrepreneurial. And I really have a problem with the whole industry, to be honest. I think the property industry, I'd ban buy to let as soon as possible if I got if I was prime minister. I just think the whole thing's a joke. But that aside, the property business aside, I think the um, if you want to start a business, the best, the, st- the staircase was symbolising step at a time. Starting anything is one step at a time. Mm-hmm. So I bought the staircase as symbolism, but also a full stop on the property market because as soon as a staircase is going for sale in London as a property opportunity, a property investment opportunity, we know the world's gone completely nuts. So I bought <laughs> it as a full stop, right, as onto the property market. Let's just stop this property game. Yeah. And the real reason I, I, I've used it after that is to symbolise that starting a business is step by step. So we turn the staircase into a pop-up where people can go and start their business for free. We don't charge people to start their business. We stuck a doorbell at the bottom of the staircase and we said, if you have a dream, go to that doorbell, press it, record your dream and we'll upload it to our millions of followers and help you start your dream. And the reaction to this has been mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Like hundreds and hundreds of people from all across the country. I had someone from Scotland yesterday drive all the way down from Scotland and go press this doorbell. Where's this doorbell? In Twickenham. In Twickenham. So they've driven six hours. Wow. And here's a really interesting thing. Why would someone drive six hours to press a doorbell? Let me tell you why. Where in this country can you get help? If you want to start a business today, where can you go to get help? Wow. It's it's a real problem. Mm -hmm. There is... No place that people feel. Most people, when they start a business, that one of the key things you need is a client. You need your first client. Yeah. Most businesses can start if you get one client because that one client will recommend you to others. You can get a deposit off them and you can start. You can start almost any business with one client. You get three clients, you're likely to have a really successful business. So you press the doorbell, you tell us your dream, we upload it and you get some clients. This has already happened. At the same time, you get followers. And of course, we all know attention is the new oil. I don't even like oil, so there's a concept. But that whole idea that, you know, Mm -hmm. you get the attention, you get support, you get community, you can build anything. Mm -hmm. So it's a really simple concept of putting a doorbell at the bottom of the staircase and pressing it and making your dream come true. But it's working and it's resonating with people. And what's really beautiful about this whole staircase story, what's really beautiful about it is um, when we upload the videos, how many people want to help those people? You know, we're always told in society, just through the media, in my opinion, that humans are bad and yeah. you meet a stranger, they're likely to be a murderer. It'll probably take you five years to find out where they are or not. We've all got this image that somehow humans are bad, but 99.99999% of people are really good. And if you look in the comments on my social media, you'll see the best of humanity. People jumping in and saying, I can give you a coffee machine to help you with that coffee. I'll give you some money to start off. And these people don't necessarily have a lot of money, but people see themselves in those people and they want to help. And it's uplifting. Mm-hmm. I think our, the businesses that we're running are, are not like miles apart. I think we're very similar in terms of like social impact led businesses as well. I think it's, it's really great to see like what you're doing for good and how many people want to gather around that. Because I think we very recently found that from just launching the first ever twenties fest, we thought, Oh, you know, we want communities to come together and it was great. And then we were hit with train strikes and people drove from all over the country to come to 20s Fest because they wanted to be there in a room of people that were all about kind of uplifting and kind of finding new ways to support one another. And the same with brands. We had so much support from brands who were saying, you know, we'll give you products to go in the goodie bags because we believe in what you're building, what you're growing with Talk 20s and how you're helping young people kind of take their next steps in their life. And I think ultimately I've seen what you've seen in business and that 
majority of the people want to do good. There will always be those haters and those trolls in the comments, but ultimately people want to do good, I think. They, they really do. And again, um, I've seen it play out time and time again on so many, and this isn't said enough. You know, I feel like we are living in a world where, you know, the media in particular, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories, but they create this clickbait, which often is about, you know, the bad things mm. in the world happening and we get consumed by it. And then we, our subconscious believes that it's true. Mm -hmm. So maybe 10 years ago, a little bit longer, um, I, I suddenly developed a fear of flying. And I don't know why, because I actually have to fly a lot. So I'm like, why am I suddenly scared of flying? And I see a plane, my hands would sweat. I'd be really nervous. Like, why am I scared of flying? Anyway, I actually went and got some help uh, to understand why I'd built up this fear of flying. And basically, 9-11, I watched that, you know, of course, when it happened. Mm -hmm. and I watched it over and over again, like a lot of people probably did back then. And it took about five or six years for it to sink into my subconscious. And basically, I built a fear of flying by watching planes fly into buildings. And so it took me a long time to figure this out. And as soon as I figured it out, I could get rid of it from my subconscious. I'm not scared of flying now. You know, and I think that happens in, happens in the media. We get told, for example, 90% of businesses fail in the first year. You heard that? I've heard it so many times. Right. Is it true? Well, I haven't failed in the first year, so... And it's not true yeah. either. But people listening, I'd be really interested, people listening, have you heard that? Oh, most people will have said, yeah. And it's a lie. 23% of businesses fail in the first year. 64% of businesses fail in the first three years. 100% of businesses fail at some point in history. Right. The point is, I'm part of this stat. My first business did fail, so I'm part of the 23%. My second business did fail within three years. But here's the thing. Here's the detail to these stupid facts that get out there. I made money in both those occasions because although it failed in the end, I made money along the way. And it's not just about making money. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jamie Oliver launched a restaurant. We probably all heard that it failed, right? But he had a restaurant. The first restaurant he ever opened was a restaurant called 15. This restaurant used to help underprivileged kids, kids that were caught in a system of all sorts of horrible things. He brought them into his restaurants, gave them a chance, gave them a leg up. A lot of them went on to open up their own restaurants. He helped over 400 kids in that restaurant do well. And then it closed down and went bankrupt. But in that time, he still helped a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So we have to measure what success and failure is. And here's the truth. If you go on, keep pushing through failure, as I have done, my first businesses eventually failed. You eventually succeed. I think it's like 80% of people that keep going become financially free. So this isn't talked about. 90% of businesses fail in the first year is all we ever hear. And that somehow got into the subconscious. I don't know how. It's crazy. Everybody I ask, that's the stat they show me. And I'm like, first of all, it's not true. That fact is just not true. But even if it was even vaguely true, if you did it over a 100-year period, then it might be true. But then people still made money up until the point of failure or were successful. They learned something. They could compound that learning. If they go again, they will succeed. If you don't try, you have to fail to mm -hmm. succeed. I failed so many times. I've lost so much money in so many businesses. It's crazy. <laughs> but I'm successful today because I did that. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the people that say that kind of um, making money is like a like a dirty thing? I think we have that kind of yep, like view that. in society where people are like, oh, you shouldn't shouldn't flaunt what you've got or, you know, and even like, you know, I think I heard you say on a podcast before that like, actually, if you end up working for a charity, you know, they, they you're frowned upon if you get paid a good wage. But if you're a banker, you might get paid 10 times that and no one bats an eyelid. Yep. Um, what's your view on that? So this this situation is really crazy to me. I, I, so okay, I am a capitalist. Let me just be clear, right? I do believe that businesses should be for profit. I think the future should be 
for profit, but you do good with the profit. Mm -hmm. So I'm a limited company, right? Helpbank.com and my platform is a for profit platform. But all the profit we make goes back into helping people for free. But what I like about it is we're self-sustaining. So we're not hands out asking for money from people. And also the people in the organization can be paid properly, right? I want to compete with Google. I want to compete with LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. Right. So I need to pay people properly. And if I'm a charity model, then, of course, that's that weird stance, which is like you can't pay people properly because we need all the money to go to the charity course, which is fair, but also stupid. Mm -hmm. Right. So to me, the charity model is broken. And I saw it in COVID. I can't tell you how many messages I got people needing money in charities. And I decided to go down the route of creating my own version of charity. The easiest thing when you make a lot of money, as I have done, is just to give money out and tick a box, right? But I did the harder thing and I put the effort into building something that helps people. So I go into the street and help people. Every single day I go live and mentor people. I do one webinar a week for free to help people. I'm doing content all the time to help people. That's much harder than just giving money to some charity. But Mm -hmm. I think the charity models are broken. And what I think people should learn is that one side you've got limited companies that are for profit but maybe don't do any good with that money and I could list a lot of companies like that oil companies banks Mm -hmm. all of those organisations that pretend to do good but they don't actually do good it all gets paid to shareholders and you've got the other side of the spectrum charities that really are well meaning nearly 99% of the time but their models are not sustainable and certainly again COVID proved this because as soon as the cash dries Mm -hmm. up those things stop right I think there's a new model I call it the zero model Okay, and basically you build a business that does good, but makes profit and we should be proud. Mm -hmm. And in this country, I mean, I've lived all over the world. I've lived in Hong Kong, I've lived in the US. England in particular has a real problem, right? We should be, the best way I describe the problem is a little bit maybe around cars. So when I lived in America, if you had a nice car, people would be like, oh, good for you, man. You're doing well. I'm so happy for you. You can feel the genuineness. You know, there's no, they're like, people are, you know, good for you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you've got something you're, you're happy for. I don't think possessions are a very good thing. I think they can end up owning you. But as a concept, as a, yeah. as a way of explaining what the problem is, people in America, you have a nice car, people are happy for you. They genuinely are. You go to Hong Kong where I lived and no one has a car because the public transport system is so good. So there's no class system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually the very rich people have these really, awful little black cabs with a driver mm-hmm. so they don't they're not flashy cars they're often bulletproof you can't mm-hmm. tell but they the rich people the billionaires i know that's what they're in they're not mm-hmm. it's not flashy right they're just driving around in england i bought myself a nice car it got keyed in the first week people look at you as if you're you know something wrong with you we're misunderstanding wealth in this country and i do think and i know a lot of very wealthy people that don't say that they're wealthy and don't spend their money helping people because if they do, they get hate. Whereas if they do nothing, they get left alone. Mm. So it's crazy to me that you can, for example, be a banker and earn lots of money and buy a couple of houses and look after yourself and people on social media are like, good for you, man, great, you're good. And, you know, a lot of the time they've made that money giving us mortgages we can't afford and doing stuff like that. And yet I know someone who's launched a homeless charity. He gave up a really well-paying job to do it. Mm -hmm. And he took a pay cut to about 10% of what he was earning at the bank, Mm -hmm. okay? And then he helps, on average, 200 homeless people a month get accommodation. That's where he's put his brain power. But he does take a salary. And he gets so much hate for it. He gets accused of using homeless people to pay himself. And so that puts people off helping. Yeah, We have to change this. Right. I, I actually believe someone like that should be paid a lot more than someone in a bank who's selling you a mortgage you don't need. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, don't, I don't know what's happened. And, and, and I am frustrated by this because 
in my life, I mean, I started quite a few businesses. I started a business called Fluid, which did really well. I sold it to Pricewaterhouse, Pricewaterhouse Cooper in the, few, uh, in the past. But that business, I used to help people, but they would pay me. And then I started a business called Nest, and I would help people, but I would take equity. And now I have started Help Bank. I help people and take nothing. For the last four years, I have not charged anyone for help ever. Someone offered me £10,000 to help them for one hour, and I said, no, I'm helping you for free. James Sky, his name is, just to, you know, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like every single week, people tell me I'm scamming them, or it's some sort of scam Yeah. for four years. So even if I did start charging now, I have done four years of helping people for free, but somehow, because there must be something up, the media's done this to our brains. And you know what? It stops a lot of people, maybe your audience listening, it stops a lot of people doing good in the world because they're mm. like, if I do nothing, it's easier. But we, that's not true. Push through, do good, build a business that does good. Don't let the hate get you. And people will accuse you of all sorts of awful things, but you know you're doing good. I sleep so well at night. I've never slept yeah. so well as I have done the last <laughs> four years. But honestly, some of the hate I get is really shocking because mm -hmm. everyone thinks that there's some angle to it and everything's a scam. We've got to get rid of this cynical view of the world. Mm -hmm. Super interesting. Um, someone right now might be sitting there thinking, I want to, I really want to quit my job and I want to start my own business. How? How do I even pluck up the courage to do that? So it depends on the circumstances of the person. So just quitting your job is something I actually advocate. I think if you don't have kids and you're living at home, then you should. In some respects, the Vikings call this burning the boats. When they land somewhere, they used to burn the boats. So you kind of got no choice but to make the thing you're focusing on work. Mm -hmm. And I built 19 companies. I wouldn't have been able to build any of them if I wasn't focused on them one at a time. Right? I don't care how good you are. I, I'm building a business today. I couldn't do multiple businesses at once. I couldn't have a job and build this company. I couldn't, And I'm really experienced. I, I, I know everything about how it all works. And I still couldn't do it. So people do need to focus if they want to make something work. And I think take a risk when you're young is absolutely good advice. Mm -hmm. Now, do I want people to quit if they are paying rent or they're, you know, they've got bills to pay that they can't sustain? Then do it slowly. Definitely there's a way to do it. Now, personally, I always think get one client and build it up, right? So my first business was a gardening company. I was 15 years old. I knocked on someone's door. They were a big house with a messy garden. And I just said, hey, you've got a messy garden. Would you like me to take care of it for you? And they said, sure. And then I charged them 200 pounds and I took care of the garden. And so you can, you know, sometimes you just start simple, mm -hmm. like window cleaning. Like you don't need a big social media presence. You just go see houses with dirty windows and knock on the door. Like go back to basics. And if you're young, I think this is good experience. It's like university, but for real life, just knock yeah. on a door, learn to sell. Hello, I noticed your windows are dirty. Would you like me to clean them? No, get lost. Okay, you learn resilience. Knock on the door and say, hi, I noticed your windows are, are dirty. Can I clean them? You are, who are you? What, I've got someone that does it already. You learn how to deal with competition, how to, how to review your competition before you knock on the door. By the 100th door, you would have learned more in that one week of knocking on 100 doors than you would ever do, in my opinion, in university. So sometimes we're starting a business. It literally is just, you know, people don't realize when they look at me today, big social media following and a you know, LinkedIn competitor platform, they think that this just happens overnight. This is a compound over 20 years of work. And sometimes that's what it takes. But if you're enjoying it, it won't feel like work. It's that old line, you know, like if you actually enjoy what you do, it won't feel like a single yeah. day's work, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. blah. And basically that's true. But I think also people overthink about what to do. So sometimes like Airbnb, for example, started really as 
Obama reels, right? They sold cereal boxes at conventions where Obama was talking. Now, there was some correlation because if you go to a conference to listen to Obama, you're likely to need accommodation. So they were doing research on accommodation costs and how people could perhaps stay at the Obama festival, as they were called back then, and stay in cheaper accommodation than the very expensive hotels that were all ranking up like yanking up their rates to yeah, get yeah. more out of people. But so there, were, there was a correlation between Airbnb's research uh, need to understand why people would book an Airbnb, a spare room or whatever during that convention. But in the meantime, until that worked, they sold cereal boxes at the convention to fans and that funded the early stage of the site. So cereal box, they're not Kellogg's today, are they? Airbnb no. aren't Kellogg's. I'm not, but they could be, you know, and, 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 but that's how they funded it. And so a lot of the businesses I built, I funded, I've used one business to fund another. So my gardening company, the cash flow from that, I tried to start a window cleaning company, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and, and now today I run a competitor to LinkedIn, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I started off cutting grass and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I enjoyed it. It was an experience. Mm-hmm. I think it's really great advice. And I think, you know, we usually end the podcast, um, in the same way that we ask all our guests questions about kind of resilience and the biggest adulting failure and the ways that they've got back up and the things that they're working on now. But I think in everything that you've said so far, you've kind of already answered those questions. So I'd love to do something a little bit different with you on this episode, if you wouldn't mind, because I think the way that you mentor people and you mentor people publicly um, through doing their business, I think is a brilliant thing. So if you wouldn't mind, Simon, I'd love to give you a little update on the business since we last did the pitch and for you to perhaps provide a little bit of thoughts on how you see this going. And we're happy to put this out. No edits, no cutting things out. And I'd, I'd really like that because I think it would be a useful thing for people to see how someone who is in the midst of growing a business. I'm three years in. I feel a bit nervous even saying this, but I'm three years in. How can we improve? How can we grow to the levels that we want to grow to and how your kind of mentorship works? Because I think if they see a little bit of you doing your mentorship, they'll go to the likes of Help Bank. They'll go to your social media profiles and be like, I think I can either gain advice or I can help support someone else through that. How does that sound? Sounds good. So I guess I have to start off by saying, what's your dream? Okay. My dream is that no one in their twenties feels lost or confused or overwhelmed by adult life and that they have the support that they need to pull their lives together and to go out and create the lives that they want for themselves. Why does that matter to you? Because I didn't feel any of this when I was in my early twenties. I felt lost. I felt confused. I did a degree in teaching because I thought that well, education, because I thought that was what I needed to do to keep my mum happy. And yeah, it wasn't, it didn't fulfill me at all. And so I felt lost. I felt ill-equipped for adult life. I didn't know how to, you know, I didn't, if I wanted to buy my first home, I had no idea how to go about it. If I wanted to start a business, I had no idea how to go about it. How do you navigate relationships for the first time? No idea, had no clue. So I, you know, had a bit of obviously teaching experience behind me from doing my degree. And I thought, I think I can be the person that starts that platform. And today, three years in, how can I help you? We want it to be, help as many people globally, not even nationally. Like I think we're already ticking nationally off in certain ways, you know, with our event, we just had people from Joe from all over the UK, but we want to help people globally with this mission. And I want this business to be something that doesn't need me or all the time to be able to exist. It's not, a, it's not, it's never been, I always say this from the beginning, it's never been the Gabby show. It's never been about me. It's about everyone else's experience that come on the podcast. It's about your experience that you're sharing here. It's about all our guests that come on. It's about the speakers we have at our events. Um, so I want it to be able to exist and help so many people and grow from there. So do you want me to give you advice on the business or give you personal advice? I'd love to give you advice on the business, I think. Okay. Well, whatever you feel is, is right from the conversation. Yeah, because you said something there that... Um, 
you said you want you said two things which are which are you know amazing you um you want the business to almost operate without you yeah right and and um and i think that's a personal thing which I, i'm gonna I, I could advise you on okay right? um and by the way i hope people understand the difference between a coach and a mentor mm -hmm. right I, I don't know if people do do you know the difference between a coach and a mentor no what tell our audience anyway okay so a coach will ask you to answer the questions so you I would say to you, what do you think? Yeah. And get you to search the inner answer, mm -hmm. right? Which is which is yeah. fine. Um, or a mentor, what a mentor does, they leverage their own experience to tell you what they think based mm -hmm. on their own experience. So both have their strengths and weaknesses. I mean, mentors tend to have an opinion and give you that opinion. Yeah. It might not be right. So I was about to give you my opinion. doesn't mean I'm right. Mm -hmm. It's just based on my experience, right? doesn't mean I'm right. Mm -hmm. But a coach, another model... I, I try to sometimes do a little bit of both, but coach will try to get you to answer the question. But if you don't know the answer, that's very difficult. Mm -hmm. Right, which is why a lot of young people find it quite hard to get a coach because a coach will always turn to you to find the answer. Mm -hmm. And it's fine if you're in your 40s and 50s and maybe you know yourself, you know, you've got to that point where you know all your flaws, you know all your mm -hmm. weaknesses, you know all your good things. So I'm going to mentor you, which means I might be wrong, right? But That's I'm, okay. I'm, I've had a, quite a lot of coaching. And I've, oh. um, so I'm very lucky to oh, yeah, have had okay. experienced that. So yeah. I'd actually really love you to mentor me. Yeah. yeah so I think, the whole um, make it work without you, be a little careful with this, Okay. all right? Because why does it need to work without you? There's only one reason, if you're no longer interested in it. And which I, I won't, I don't think that will happen. Which, yeah. which, by the way, a lot of small businesses get trapped, a lot of small business owners get trapped by their own business. Mm. And I've been in this situation, so I know. I built a business, I loved it, built it up, then I don't love it, but I'm having to run it because mm -hmm. I put myself at the centre of it all. I'm I'm everything to that business. Yeah. So there's definitely something in building systems in a business. And I think it's definitely good to not be trapped, mm -hmm. but separate that from needing it to be something that operates without you. So for example, Steve Jobs, I mean, let's face it, it has done well without him, mm -hmm. but he didn't need to say that, oh, I want it to operate without me. I think one of the keys is not talking like that. Because if you say it, it's almost, it's a misunderstood statement. It could be misunderstood by your team mm -hmm. that you want out, but it could also be misunderstood as well, you know, don't make it all about me. Well, why not? It's your personal story. It's your personal mission. Mm -hmm. Now, people will come along and join you and people will listen in and they have the problems that you're talking about. So there's a very important mission that you're on, but I think you should just own it. Okay. And don't worry about like, you don't have to be, you know, involved. You'd love to run it, you know, have it run without you. I think I'm doing this thing. You know what? Like the whole we talked about, like it's not cool to like want to have you know, flaunt money and all of that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. I think it's coming from like a very British way yeah, of, it's of a, thinking. It's a, it, I have like, the same problem, by the yeah. way, because I'm also British. So I know exactly what you yeah. mean. I had it on social media. I still have it today. Yeah. It's like, it's not about me. Yeah. It's not about it's me. It's not about me. Yeah. But, but people that know you know it's not about you. Yeah. Right. True. So you don't need to justify it. Yeah. And I think that just lean into it. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would say today, in this day and age today, if you're building a business right now in this modern world, personal brand, more important than company brand. True. Yeah. So I, I'm only able to build up Help Bank because I built up Simon Squibb personal brand. Yeah. And so today, everyone is a personal brand. If they like it or not, no choice. Lean into that. Just enjoy it. Don't be too British. Just okay. you, you, you have a story and that will never stop. 
Maybe you'll work on another project. Maybe this platform will get bought. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Just lean into it though. You are always going to do something like this in this space. You're always going to be involved in this space. So just lean into it. Don't ever think about it. Now, that is different from a business operational point of view or things running if you are sick or go on holiday or yeah. you know, these things you know, are important to scale a business. You do need the ability to be able to have time off. You don't ever want to feel trapped by your business. This is the only downside of entrepreneurship, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. People build businesses where they end up having to work it. That's a different problem. So when I hear you, I just want to separate the two, yeah. right? Your personal brand, just go for it. And at the moment, this is what you run. So personal brand and this all in one thing, go for it. Just lift your head up high, be proud, push forward. You're in this until you're not in this. So just do it. Mm -hmm. On the operational side, and it's a question maybe more than anything else, do you have systems in place so that if you're not here for a month, the business still works? Here for a month, I think, no, like away for a week, I think fine. And I, but I think that's coming up in a couple of weeks time. And I feel for the first time in three years, I feel confident leaving the business that the business will be absolutely fine. Mm. And I won't have to check my emails and the, and the people in my team will have it covered. Yeah. That's the first time I've ever felt like that in three years though. Right. So I think that's really important. It does important take time. Yeah. It does take time to build up that. But you know, the most important thing is you actually let the people do it. Yeah, absolutely. Let go. It's, it's yeah. more you than them. Yeah. So I've had the same problem. So I go on holiday and then I'm checking my emails, I'm giving feedback and, and then people feel like they need to include me in it. Yeah. And yes, maybe one less mistake happens because I was doing that, but then I'm trapped. So you have to let things go mm. and you have to trust. And if you do, people step up. Mm. People might they not do. believe this, but my team who are here today, I, I'm not just saying this because they're probably listening to this, but I have built one of the best teams I've ever built in any company. And in large part, it's because I've learned to be a good person to work with. Mm -hmm. Because basically, for example, we make a video, I don't ever see it until it's up online. That's how much I trust the team. That's my yeah. personal brand. And sometimes <laughs> they cut it and make me look bad because we put out <laughs> Same stuff. Same with Georgia and my yeah. team, yeah. But, but they yeah. put out stuff that makes me look bad, yeah. but I trust them, <laughs> Yeah. right? They know the mission we're on to help people do what they mm -hmm. love. Right. And that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they put clips out that do make me look bad because I'm asking someone to do something they love. For example, there was a clip that went viral where someone was holding a sign in the street and it was saying phones for sale. And I went up and asked him, I said, what's your dream? And he said, I'm doing it. I'm like, I laughed, you know, almost like a nervous laugh. Like this can't be something you like doing, you yeah, know, standing yeah. in the street <laughs> holding a sign. And I was accidentally a bit condescending. I didn't mean to be, it was more shock. You know, this can't be a job that you actually enjoy. And I didn't believe him. You know, he was saying, I thought as a joke, but he kept going. No, I love this. It's the best job in the world. I love standing here holding this sign all day. I'm like, when it's raining, you enjoy it. Oh, I love it. It's the best thing ever. And there was something wrong, but with the situation, I thought he was the owner or he was lying to me. Anyway, when they put the clip out, a lot of the comments and that were Simon Scrooge being condescending. Why can't someone enjoy holding a sign in the street? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was a big clip. It went, it went massive mm -hmm. all across. It was on all the social media platforms and even in Reddit and all that. And, you know, it didn't make me look good, but they put it out and it was right to put it out because there is an argument that some people just love holding a sign. Perhaps there are people out there like that. I, I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. And I think, it's not true. Even to this day, I think that person was probably either the owner or just joking with me. But, you know, equally put it out. 
some people maybe just love it what they do. It also starts a discussion for other exactly. people to kind of think, yeah. you know, question themselves or question their, you know, what they're doing. I, I think it, it opened a discussion for sure. The uh, main point is you've got to trust people. Mm-hmm. And I trust my team. Even when that clip went out and it went a bit negative, I still trust my team. You know, mm-hmm. like I didn't say, you shouldn't have put that out. Actually, it's fine. Actually, in some respects, I let them do it. I learned something. You know, mm-hmm. like my team are actually my audience. My team are all in their twenties, yeah. so um, so they also know better than me in some in some respects. Mm-hmm. And I think authenticity, openness, internally and externally, are a winning formula for any brand culture today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, just returning back to the to the mentorship, then we're wanting to go global. How do we go from appealing to a national audience to trying to reach as many people as we can? launch you know we've just done our very very right at the beginning we've just launched our very first 20s fest we had people drive from all over the uk to attend it we'd love to do more of these events and we'd love it to be something that doesn't just exist in our home city of liverpool but exists across the world and then we have platforms just like the podcast and and uh, you know similar to what you're building on on help bank in terms of resources and helping young people with whatever it is they want to do outside of building a business as well how do we get that to the masses so it's a very complicated question, actually, this question, because mm-hmm. it, it involves a few different elements. The first thing is why? Why do you want to expand it? I think we've seen the value that it's had and the impact it's had on people's lives. And it's, it, it sounds crazy to say it, but when you speak to the people who've like, I've listened to this episode and this really helped me, or I got connected and followed this person, which helped me start this it, it's amazing. So you want to have more impact? You want to have more impact. Right. So the impact you're presently having, having is not enough? Uh, I think it, I think it can help more people. Right. Just be careful not to burn yourself out, by mm. the way. You know, sometimes with this stuff, it's like, let's grow, let's grow, let's grow. Well, helping 10 people is better than overstretching and helping mm-hmm. no one. Right. It's better to help 10 people than burn out trying to help thousands. I know this because I'm trying to help millions. So I, I'm global mm-hmm. with what I'm doing. So I, I, know, I know where this comes from. Practically speaking, putting the emotional side uh, to one side for mm-hmm. a second, expansion in any, I've opened businesses in multiple countries, in multiple uh, con- countries. Um, and the key partly is, uh, I suddenly feel like Gary Vee when I said it's the macro and the micro. <laughs> so why does someone like Gary Vee own the macro and the micro? But anyway, yeah. um, the, you know, the, the, the bigger picture f- would be, for example, if you wanted to um, get into America, have American guests. Mm-hmm. That's it, you know, and then they would share it on their network and it would get into America. 40% of my audience is from America. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and partly it's because in the past I've had American people in in the content, right? So sometimes it's just simple as that. You know, you just get the international audience you want from having international people in the content, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes it's as simple as that to get global, especially with something like yep. a podcast, because it, it, it's anyone can listen to it anywhere, generally speaking, right? Mm-hmm. I think, of course, then there's more practical stuff. If you're talking about, in particular, a podcast, then you can target market the podcast to get to, or you can do partnerships with people in different countries or different locations, right? Mm-hmm. I think one of the most underrated things in business is partnerships. People just don't understand. I say one plus one equals 11. And I believe in this so much, especially when people have common purpose. Mm -hmm. So Elon Musk was one of the co-founders of PayPal. People all know this. I don't know if people fully understand how it happened. He was originally, ironically, part of a company, well, owned a company called X. That's why he owns Mm X.com. He owned X.com before PayPal started. And he was going to do PayPal. And then he found out 
Peter Thiel and Reid Hoffman were doing this thing called PayPal and reached out to them and said, why don't we join forces? I don't really want to compete with you. I'll come and work with you. And they went, sure. And he joined them as their CEO and the rest is history, right? They all made hundreds of millions and they built something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we don't do enough as business owners. Sometimes we work in our silos and we think the only way to build a business is if they build a business. A lot of big businesses that I've been involved in, they do roll-ups. So another way of doing it is they go and say, right, I'm one company. I'm going to buy 10 that do exactly the same thing and create a top code. We all own it. But now we're a bigger organisation. It's like the EU, but in reverse business-wise, <laughs> right? So actually, it's something really powerful in that model. So as long as the purpose is aligned and moral code is aligned, this isn't talked about enough, but moral code is aligned. I think sometimes the best way to expand isn't necessarily doing your own ads or necessarily doing international guests. That's one way you can do it organically is to partner up with people that are international mm -hmm. with a similar mission. Mm -hmm. Some great tips there, Simon. And I'm gutted to pull this podcast to a close because I think you've been an incredible guest. I am so supportive of the work that you're doing. Um, how, where can our listeners find out more about Help Bank? Where can they find you on social media if they haven't already seen you? So you can log in to helpbank.com mm -hmm. and you can help people for free. The people we help always get help for free, but you can get paid for helping people. So mm -hmm. we pay people to help people for free, but you can also just go on there and help people because it feels good. Yeah. I know I, I live by this, not give and take, but give without take. You go and help someone with no expectation of anything in return. It comes back to you in so many ways. So you can just log on and do that. And equally, if you want to laugh at me, uh, embarrassing myself in the street, talking to strangers, finding out their dreams and trying to make them happen, you can go on my YouTube channel or you go on uh, any of my social media channels, all at Simon Squibb. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, maybe we can catch up in a couple of years time and maybe we can look back at the clip of the feedback you've given me and seeing if I've taken any of that on board yeah. and seeing whether it's helped grow the business. Six months. We'll do it from six months Six from now. months. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's Great. do that. We'll do a review. Um, but we always end the podcast with the same question that we ask every single one of our guests. And it's if you could look back at 20 year old Simon. So I don't know where you were at at 20, but if you could look back at him at 20 and give him just one piece of advice that would see him through his twenties, what would you want to say to him? I think I did it right already. I think um, keep going was probably the first thing I'd say. Mm -hmm. I think, I think I, believed in myself at 20. Um, I think that was very important. I, I think I had to, because if I didn't, I'd be homeless still at that point. Yeah. I, I think that instead of advising myself, I'd probably say to someone at 20, believe in yourself a bit more. Mm -hmm. I had no choice but to believe in myself, which is kind of good. You know, actually bad luck is kind of still luck. Mm -hmm. You know, I had bad luck, but it was kind of good because my boats were burned. I had to make it work. And I think that's part of it for people. Like burn your boats, go for it, go all in. And that's what happened to me by accident. That's why I had, when I was 20, I was, I was on the right path. Mm -hmm. So I'd say to the younger self, just keep going. And I'd say, and the only one that's 20, that's not where they want to be, go all in on something. Mm -hmm. Amazing advice. Thank you so much for your wise words today. Thank you so much for having me.